the Panhandle News Network. The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. Nah, man, you see how good I look? Nothing signifies that more than a pinch hitter winning a game. They shouldn't have played the old Golden Blue. Not this night. Yes, sir. Not this night. We don't pay attention to what happens, what goes on the outside. We just do our job. Welcome to Panhandle Sports Live, the premier home for all things sport in the Eastern Panhandle. He's across midfield. He's into the open field. Touchdown, Martinsburg. Towards the pylon. Touchdown, Washington. Hear from the coaches and players that make the Eastern Panhandle the place for sports in the state of West Virginia. This kid, he's got silver bullets. And it's a two-possession lead for the Appleman. Gets a high snap. Robinson trying to get to the outside. Makes a jerk move. Gets to the inside. Keyshawn Robinson. Touchdown, Cougars. Be a part of the conversation on today's show by texting at 304-263-4321. The throw not in time. Hedgesville's going to Charleston. Gavin Young puts the drive up 9-63-54. The Spring Mills Cardinals, 18-0 to finish the regular season. Now, live from the Hoppy Kerchival Building in historic Martinsburg. Get your popcorn ready. Panhandle Sports Live is on the air. And welcome in. It is the 28th day of September in 2023. I'm Luke Wiggs, Parker Stone, along for the ride as well as it's Panhandle Sports Live. Over the next 50-plus minutes or so, we're going to get you up to date on all the high school, college, and professional sporting news that you need here in the Eastern Panhandle in a very short time to get there, so we're going to jump right in. Parker Stone, how are you on this Thursday morning? I'm doing fantastic. I woke up and found out the Orioles are one win mm. away from getting home field advantage of the American League. Adley had a two-run blast in that game as well. I'm wearing my Adley Crushman shirt this morning. All sorts of great stuff, but the bad thing is I was checking my bet picks from last night. Guess how bad I lost last night. Uh-oh. One run. One Ooh. run kept me from a perfect split. Somebody call Scott Van Pelt. It was awful because the O's getting the win. The Tigers were able to beat the Royals last night 4-0, and then the Guardians and the Reds combined for seven runs. The run line was set at 7.5, so a, b- a bad beat last night on that. But overall, very enthused, very excited. We're getting closer to a weekend, which means we're getting closer to football this weekend. It, spirits are high. Spirits are high. Absolutely. We're, we weren't going to touch on the Orioles much, but since you mentioned it, Adley Rushman's two-run bomb. Here's how it sounded last night on WEPM. Rutschman swings, sending this one out towards the bullpen, ranging back at the wall. It's in the bullpen. CNL Perez catches this one as Rutschman launches a two-run shot. The fireworks go off as Rutschman continues to go off, and it's a 2-0 lead. The Orioles continue to take care of business. They've got four games against the Red Sox to finish out the regular season. You can hear coverage of those games right here on WEPM and WCST. Uh, Need to avoid a sweep. That's it. You need to win one more game to clinch the American League East to make things a lot easier on yourself in the postseason. So fantastic job for the O's. We're going to talk a little high school football here in a minute. But before we do that, we neglected, and by we, I mean me, I take full responsibility, of mentioning that we have a couple of golf regional champions to talk about. Uh, Things that went down over at the Woods course uh, there's a great article that you can find online written by Rick Kozlowski in the Martinsburg Journal. Tommy Evans leading Washington down to the state tournament along with Martinsburg's team. Uh, Tommy Evans shot par in this game. And I, from what I understand, 
uh, the weather wasn't necessarily great. But the Patriots of Washington win the, the area region title with a score of 230. Martinsburg right behind at 238. So they qualify for states along with Adam Arndt of Hedgesville and Nate Kelly of Jefferson. Jefferson and Musselman were tied at 280. Remember, Martinsburg was 238 and Washington was 230. Hampshire was in the tournament as well, 287 they shot. Hedgesville at 290 and 6. Then Spring Mills, 297 and 7. So, you know, one of the sports that we don't talk about a lot is golf. But congratulations to Washington because I've been in this area for two years and it seems as though that Washington is the team to beat when it comes to golf, and they're going to go down to the state tournament and try to prove that again. Yeah, it's going to be exciting stuff. And I believe their state tournament, if I'm wrong, please correct me, it's over at Ogilvy Park in Wheeling. I believe so, yes. Yeah, beautiful park over that way. I was able to go down there and run a couple times at the Mountain East Championships for cross country. They have it at that same complex that way. But it's it's definitely kind of a it's a low-key kind of hotbed for golf around this way. Washington's put up some good stuff, but you said Martinsburg makes it as a team. Exciting to see these teams go out, compete, and I'll, I'll give these guys credit. If, if they're shooting this good in high school, and it's nowhere where I could shoot right now. So it's uh, <laughs> all, tip of the cap to those guys. Best of luck when you go down to Ogilvy Park and represent the Panhandle well. Absolutely. A couple of things of note. Uh, and again, you can find more information, a very good write-up in the Martinsburg Journal written by Rick Kozlowski. Washington opened in 2008. They've made the state tournament in golf every single year. Unbelievable. That's insane. M Martinsburg struggled a little bit in the past, but Bruce Fowler's their head coach. This is his first season as the coach. Uh, and with it, Martinsburg is also going to the state tournament. So congratulations to them. We're going to keep you updated with uh, what's going on in the golf tournaments as well as we're getting towards the postseason for volleyball and soccer. And, you know, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to dive back into our coverage of each of those sports as well. But turning our attention to high school football yet again, uh, high school sports line, you can hear we weren't able to hear it last night here on WEPM and WCST uh, because of the Orioles. But there were two panhandle guests in Marcus Law of Spring Mills and uh, Brian Thomas of Musselman. So we're going to play a brief selection of both of those interviews, uh, beginning with Marcus Law, who talked about that tough two-point loss to Jefferson Week 1 and how Spring Mills has kind of turned that into a catapult to win their next four games in a row. So again, this is Marcus Law on High School Sports Line with Joe Bercato, Fred Persinger, and Dave Jacklin. Well, I think that's a big part of it. Um, coming into the season, we had a couple things that were unknown. Um, as coaching staff kind of got adjusted a little bit. And so it was one of those things everyone trying to figure out um, exactly what that role was going to be once things kind of settled down. Um, give a ton of credit to my assistant coaches. Um, they really kind of honed in. Everyone taking an additional role to make sure things were rolling the way it needed to be. And the kids from moving forth from that Jefferson game have really kind of gone out there and have done a good job executing the game plans that we've kind of put together uh, week after week there. So big credit to both those guys, uh, assistant coaches and the players there. One area where you've really seen that improvement has been on the defensive side. In this four-game winning streak, only 23 points in four games. I mean, you guys are doing a great job on that side of the ball. Yeah. Uh, again, uh, that's, that's Coach Hessen there. You know, he's been doing um, great things for numerous years. Uh, but then you, you uh, look up front there, you know, you got Xavier Anderson, Prophet uh, Gunnar, and those guys just do a great job of containing and then just bring a little bit of pressure that help us out. Marcus, you mentioned the coaching staff getting to know the guys, and, and you became a head coach pretty close to the start of the season. How difficult of an adjustment was that to, to kind of take the reins close to the start of the season? Well, it was definitely um, definitely a little, bit, a little difficult here. Um, but, again, when you have a guy like Coach Hessen and the years and experience that he has, um, everyone just kind of really um, stepped out there out of their comfort zone and just picked in and helped him in roles that they felt that they could help out at. So difficult, but obviously we was able to kind of figure those things out relatively on the fly. 
You know, Dave mentioned the fact about your defense, but I'm telling you, the offense has been pretty impressive as well. 179 points in just five games. What's your strengths on your offense? Well, that offense really starts with Max Anderson. Um, again, this year he's, he's kind of taken a, a step farther from not necessarily with the running game, but trying to really focus on the, on the passing side of things as well. Um, and, again, Max is just a kid who, who puts in a, a lot of time on the film study. He, he goes beyond. Um, and, again, he's really an extension of, of myself and the rest of the offensive coaches there. But then it helps with the offensive line, um, the guys we got there, and some other skilled players as well. Hey, you talk about Max. Last game against North Hagerstown, you went at 54-7. to He has a couple of first-quarter touchdown passes, and Alex Eaton ran for over 100 yards. It really helps, doesn't it, when you've got a quarterback who can get the ball to the right players at the right times? Absolutely. And, again, credit that big time to Max and, and the preparation that he puts in week in, week out. So you're off to a four and one start. Lots of attention coming your way. Some good victories. How are the guys handling all the success? Do you have to keep them humble, or do they self-police themselves to do, to do that? Well, it's it's a little bit of a mixture of both. There, um, again, it's about going week in week out and just really focus on the palm that we have at the time. And I mean, obviously, the game's a game of inches there, and it's just a drop of a dime that things can roll our way or not roll our way. Um, I think our guys have helped dealt with um, adversity pretty well, so all those factors have really helped us out. So that was Marcus Lawn, High School Sports Lawn, here from Brian Thomas here in just a second. But, Parker, I mean, I think that's what's most impressive about this Cardinal team is how they're handling kind of the limelight all of a sudden. You know, they're the highest-ranked D-Pack team. They're in the midst of a four-game winning streak. They haven't let up offensively or defensively. And, and these are guys that you, you think of them as young kids because I still remember Max Anderson and Keon Mills as freshmen and sophomores. But now they're juniors, a little bit more mature, and they're playing really, really good football. That they are. They're playing fantastic at this point. And if they keep this momentum going, which I hope they do, they're very much in contention and a threat to host a home playoff game come playoff time. And it's looking more and more like that Jefferson loss is going to be a real quality loss come playoff time as well. And that's a game where if a couple bounces of the ball go a different way, this is a Spring Mills team ranked in the top five. Absolutely. If, if they're coming in right now 5-0, and oh, there's a real chance this is a top five team in AAA. Like everything's going right for the Cardinals. Again, I mentioned it, tap, tip of the cap to Marcus Law and the staff over that way for picking things up and a lot of uncertainty, I know, before the start of the season. And they've taken full advantage of it. That team's played fantastic. You heard Alex Eaton get mentioned. He's been running the football well. Cardinals are playing real good, and they got some tests coming up along the way. So I'm excited to see where the measuring stick is for the Spring Mills team. A team that's in a, at a little bit of an impasse in their season is the Musselman Appleman. They're 2-2 two and two coming off a bye week, and they're facing Martinsburg right now. And Brian Thomas, their head coach, was also a guest on High School Sports Line, and kind of talked about the season up until this point, as well as what to expect in these coming weeks. Um, yeah, I mean, we've had a pretty good start to the season. Uh, you know, in some aspects, we've had some positives and some negatives. Uh, you know, we, we started the season off uh, beating Hanley, Virginia, a uh, really good team, really athletic team. You know, I know a lot of people probably don't know about them, but, you know, it was, it was a good quality win. Uh, and then we beat Loudon Valley, Virginia, and they have – uh, you know, they're a really big team, uh, huge up front, a lot of size. We beat them in overtime, so that was an exciting win. Uh, then went on the road to Morgantown and lost a really tight one, 10-6, that, you know, um, you know they, they, they just beat us that night. But we had opportunities to win that game, so that was a tough fault loss. And then uh, we did not play very well in our last game at Spring Mills and, and dropped that one and, you know, had a bye week last week. So we're sitting here at 2-2 two and, two and um, you know, got, got six games left ahead in the schedule. How was the, the off week? As you mentioned, you lost two in a row going into the bye week. Martinsburg coming up this weekend. 
how, how was the bye week getting things reset at Musselman? Yeah, I mean, I think you approach bye weeks kind of in two different ways. You can really approach them and, and get a lot of rest um, and, and, and recover, uh, or you can get, you know, physical and, and try to get after it a little bit. We tried to mix um, – we tried to mix both of those a little bit. You know, we were we were definitely more on the physical side. Uh, we you know we tried to bang a little bit and get after a little bit and, and um, you know push each other and push our kids to get better. So you know I, I think we were able to accomplish that in that week and, and you know work on a lot of things that we needed to fix. You face four good teams already, and there's some really good challenges on the second half of the schedule. We'll talk about the game against Martinsburg in just a second. But for all the teams that are around you in the Eastern Panhandle Athletic Conference, could you make the argument that each team is at least as good, if not better, this year than a year before? Oh, I think for sure. Um, you know, and I, I, I've said for years that, uh, you know, I, I've coached long enough, and, you know, I've been, I've been lucky enough that I, uh, I've got to be – you know, the coach of a lot of playoff teams and, and, you know, compete in the playoffs and see a lot of different football. And I've said for years that, you know, I think our conference can stack up there with the best of them. So, um, you know, yeah, we, we play good football and everybody continues to get better uh, in our conference. You know, I think, you know, as you said, I, I think definitely every team in our conference has gotten better. So, you know, we get challenged in our conference, but, you know, as you mentioned, we, we play probably as tough as an out-of-conference schedule as anybody as well. So, uh, you know, we like to test and challenge ourselves. There you go. Of course, this is what, your 11th year now at Musselman, Brian. And I think uh, you mentioned it, kind of touched on it a little bit. Folks around the state of West Virginia don't realize how tough some of those teams are that you have to play in order to have a 10-game schedule at times. It's just, uh, you know, again, the teams from Virginia or wherever you have to go to get a game, uh, you're really testing yourself every week. And now the fact that your conference is really, it used to be one or two teams in the Eastern Panhandle. Now it's everyone. So you're playing a tough schedule week in, week out. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, one of my one of my first seasons as, as the head coach, we uh, – we didn't have a very tough schedule and, and, you know, I don't know what our final record was, but I know we went to the playoffs and we played somebody and I, you know, I can't recall who it was. Um, like you said, it's my 11th year. So everything's starting to, uh, I'm starting to get to the age where everything's starting to run together <laughs> to a certain extent, but uh, we played somebody and they punched us in the mouth really good. And I, I told myself after that playoff loss, I said, man, we really got to get out and challenge ourselves. And, you know, it, we, we, we've done that. And I feel like it's helped us. Uh, in the long run, I feel like, you know, there's a lot of years that we've gone into the playoffs and we've been battle-tested and we've been ready. Um, and, you know, the playing different teams from parts of the state uh, don't really – won't really phase us in the playoffs because, you know, you, put, you play a difficult schedule against those teams and, you know, you face those challenges week in and week out. That was Brian Thomas as well, the head coach of the Musselman Appleman on High School Sports Line. Tough, tough position that the Appleman find themselves in, Parker. I mean, you think about the teams that you still have to play – you still have to get through the majority of your conference schedule. It starts with Martinsburg. It finishes with Parkersburg. And a lot of teams facing very similar circumstances, you'd say, well, we gave it our best shot, but this isn't our year. You know, If anybody, any coach in any program can get to 500, get to the postseason, or even 6-4, and four, it's Brian Thomas. But there's a lot of work that needs to be done between now and then. Oh, yeah. They're going to have to pull some different things out of the hat to be able, I think, to reach a 6-4, and four, a 5-5, five and five, I think is a realistic expectation if they grab a couple wins. Martinsburg's a big-time challenge. It's just really tough that you got to face, in my opinion, that what could be the final in the Super 6 in Martinsburg and Cabell Midland in back-to-back weeks. That's, yeah. a, that's a real tough stretch. But then you have a run of games – 
against Hedgesville, which could be a game for maybe that last playoff spot on the 14th of October. A Jefferson team that, well, if they lose to Hedgesville this weekend, that could be for a playoff spot if things go down that way. And then a Washington team that'll just be trying to get a big quality win, try and make some noise and get to the playoffs because they got to go almost perfect to this point. And then Parkersburg, who at this point last year were not where they needed to be. This year they've shown mighty improvement and could be a team that could be trying to go for a host spot. I know they lost last weekend to GW, if I'm correct about that I think it's a GW but I'll double check that in a little bit but Parkersburg it'll be a tough test at the end of the season so we'll say four four teams that really could be playoff teams in the back five games your schedule in Martinsburg Cabell Midland Jefferson and Parkersburg as of today it's a tough run of games but like you mentioned Brian Thomas has had his back against the wall before I'm not putting him down just yet absolutely so we're going to take this first break when we return we'll turn our attention to the Shepherd football team they got a a matchup coming up against Shippensburg on Saturday that we'll preview and stay tuned because coming up at the bottom of the hour, we'll be joined by D2 football PSAC columnist Kerry Moyer. Take a look back at uh, what happened around the conference last week and what Shepherd's road to a conference championship would look like, uh, what kind of breaks they need to have as the season rolls on. And we'll still talk a little Thursday night football later on in the show. We'll preview the Ernie McCook show and we'll get Parker's picks. That's all still to come here on Panhandle Sports Live. Want to revisit an episode of Panhandle Sports Live? Follow the Panhandle News Network on Spotify today. Welcome back into Panhandle Sports Live on this Thursday. We've got a lot of sports and live broadcasts coming up over the next couple of days. We've got the Ernie McCook Show tonight, live from Captain Bender's Tavern. It begins at 7.30. You can hear that on 95.9 The Big Dog, where you can also hear every Shepherd football game, including this Saturday's against Shippensburg, a little bit of an area rivalry. Uh, between Shepard and Shippensburg. Uh, and it's a Shippensburg team that, uh, let's be honest with ourselves, not great. One and three coming into this matchup. However, they started the year playing a top 25 opponent, Newberry. They only lost that game by four. And then they lost by five to Seton Hill before they were dominated by IUP and then picked up their first win of the season last week, uh, seven to nothing over Bloomsburg. So it's a Shippensburg team that's one and three. We'll talk a little bit of personnel here in just a second, but Parker Stone, I mean, not exactly where they want to be five games or four games into the season for Shippensburg. No, and I made the joke before we came on the air in this segment of saying that a Bloomsburg and Shippensburg matchup was the PSAC Sickos game of the week, <laughs> if you if you catch the reference. But yeah, it's a it's a Raiders team that's not in a good spot right now. They're sitting at one and three, and I've pointed to this game as being one that could be a rebound game for the Rams after what happened to Kutztown last week. It's a win, it's a game I think you need to win big to put yourself right back in the conversation of a conference championship and to be in that championship game because now you have to keep eyes not only on this game and the rest of your schedule to get business done. You got to keep an eye out on two teams that really I've been keeping an eye on. I'm interested to see what Kerry's thoughts on these are. In Kutztown now, who's entered the conversation, I think, getting back up to 500. And then an East Strasburg team, who is the number one scoring offense in the conference right now. The Warriors have looked really good, and the Rams will play East Strasburg at home on November the 4th. So there's there's a lot of elements that are in play at this point. The Rams do not control their own destiny at this point against Kutztown, nonetheless. But they got to hope maybe some things happen in their direction to force that to have them go into the championship game. But at this point, I, I hate to say you got to play perfect football, but it's probably close to that point. You really can only afford one more loss at this point if you're the Rams. Now at this point, you're fully into Eastern Division play. There's some. It, it looks like the East overall has taken a step up. Like 
the the floor has been raised, I think, in competition-wise in the East. You look at Lock Haven, that's gotten a lot better. Millersville, who gave Slippery Rock a little bit of a game a couple weeks ago. Uh, Westchester, I know they're not having the season that they may be thought of in the preseason, but they've been playing good football. And then I get I just mentioned East Strasburg, who's been playing some really good football as well. So for the Rams' sake, Shippensburg-wise, they're not in contention for the championship. They're not in contention in the East. It's a game that if things go their way, I'm looking for the Rams to potentially make an embarrassment out of Shippensburg this weekend. Shepard won this game 30-13 to at Shippensburg last year, but the Red Raiders jumped out to a uh, 7-0 lead with the Khalid Dorsey. had a really good game for them on the ground. He had a kickoff return for a touchdown Sam Johnson was their quarterback he's still there although we'll talk about that in just a second uh it took Tyson Bajan throwing the ball 45 times and Ronnie Brown getting 180 yards in the ground for the Rams to get the victory in this game but they did you look at Shippensburg this year Tanner Hess is their leading back he's not incredibly efficient he's only averaging 3.6 yards per carry the guy that scares me the most is one of the best kick returners in division two football in Red Douglas who also has 223 yards receiving through four games. He on the outside, uh, along with Jake DeLucia and Jamin Bryant, present a unique challenge for Shepard, uh, as obviously they've been exposed by speedy receivers a couple of times this season. But the quarterback position is a position of intrigue because through the four games that have been played, Shippensburg has used three different quarterbacks. Sam Johnson has thrown the most, 21 of 52, or 22 of 51 passing, which is not great, but three touchdowns. You also have Joey McCracken, who was on the team last year, did not play. And then a name that some diehard West Virginia fans may know, and Sam Stoner, who spent his spring semester as an early enrollee with WVU. Uh, he played at William Penn High School and then has come down as a true freshman to Shippensburg and has gotten in some game time. He's 8 of 15 passing for a touchdown. So it makes them tough to prepare for when you don't know who the quarterback's going to be. Yeah, that's always a tough avenue to navigate when you have that threat of who's going to be playing quarterback this week but I feel like it's also a disadvantage to Shippensburg because it seems like they're still trying to find who that guy is granted we were maybe asking that question with Kutztown last week and Judd Novak had a fantastic game for the Kutztown end but I don't think anybody a quarterback is that talented as what Novak showed for Kutztown last week I feel like it's more of a Raiders team that's trying to find their guy more of okay we have a quality backup like Kutztown was last week and it's a Raiders team I think it's really struggled in the past decade they've only made the playoffs once in the last 10 seasons and you got to date back to 2012 for their second playoff appearance when they had their last quality season got past the first round of the NCAA playoffs so it's a Raiders team I think that's still trying to find their grounding as a team right now they struck they've been struggling again the offense has looked rough for the most part for Shippensburg again only being able to win by seven against Bloomsburg 14 points against IUP Seton Hill was a close game but again I don't think Seton Hill is that great of a team either and then you look at the Newberry game and it makes you think okay maybe this team could give Shepard a little bit of, of a competitive game but I I just feel like at this point this is a game Shepard should win and they should win handedly to really make a statement and put themselves back into the conversation of winning the East well, speaking of what's going on around the PSAC, we'll be hearing from that specifically from D2Football.com's columnist for the PSAC Conference, Kerry Moyer, coming up in just a moment. And we'll still preview the Ernie McCook show tonight, and we'll get Parker's picks and talk a little Thursday night football coming up in just a little bit time. Uh, but you're still listening to Panhandle Sports Live on WEPM Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs. It's Panhandle Sports Live. Follow our socials for updates on live broadcasts of local games. 
Welcome back into Panhandle Sports Live. As I mentioned, coming up, we'll preview the Ernie McCook Show, which you can hear live from Captain Bender's Tavern tonight at 730 on 95.9 The Big Dog, where you can also hear Shepard football this Saturday as they lock horns with the Red Raiders of Shippensburg. And joining us on the phone now to kind of recap another crazy week of PSAC football is D2 football columnist uh, for the PSAC, Kerry Moyer. And Kerry, how are you on this fine Thursday? Uh, getting ready for week five. Got a big one coming up. Absolutely. So let's go ahead and dive right into it. As somebody that's been around this conference for a while, you come down to Shepherdstown, which you've done on more than one occasion, and I'm sure that the atmosphere, unfortunately, is not one that you're accustomed to. Cuts down, jumps out to that early lead, you know, some bad weather, some agitated fans. What in kind of your eyes went wrong for Shepherd? Uh, in that loss to Kutztown, and how surreal was it, frankly, to be at a Rams stadium that they hadn't suffered a loss in nearly two years? No, definitely. There were there were a lot of things out of the norm, uh, you know, with my trip down last Saturday. Really, a couple key points here. You know, you look at the time of possession game, and, uh, you know, I mean, it was, you know, the Rams offense, you know, had the, had the ball about one-third of the time. You know, the turnover factor, I know I talked to Coach Clemens from Kutztown before the game, and he talked about ball security. I think we saw both teams struggle with it. Unfortunately for the Rams, they had their opportunities and didn't capitalize on it. You know, we talked about it a little bit when, uh, you know, we were, you know, up in the booth about, uh, you know, there's some, some big sparks from special teams, you know, t- two weeks prior, you know, touchdown returns, uh, you know, off a of kickoff. Last year, Ronnie Brown had one up at Kutztown, you know, and if you kind of look at the game, uh, you know, last year where the Rams were behind at halftime, came out, you know, Beijen started hitting Walker and, uh, you know, things really just started clicking. Um, you know, we didn't see that spark in the second half, um, you know, from, from the Rams, you know, in this one. And, you know, we talked about as well on the flip side, you know, Kutztown's had some struggles early on. You know, they were up, you know, pretty big over Cal, you know, a few weeks ago and gave up 24 unanswered points in, um, you know, the fourth quarter to lose that game. So, you know, if you, you combine those two things, uh, the Rams never really, you know, had a spark, nothing on special teams, couldn't capitalize on the turnovers. And never got into the end zone, uh, you know, for a touchdown, you know, coupled with, you know, Kutztown, uh, you know, played four quarters, you know, in, in sloppy weather and, uh, you know, never, uh, never broke, uh, you know, they bend, but they, you know, they certainly didn't break and, uh, you know, didn't, didn't give anything up to, uh, you know, to the Rams touchdown wise, you know, throughout the game. Well, for Shepherd fans that are listening now, Kerry, uh, obviously one loss does not completely derail a season, although it is a tough loss to take the cuts down. Their destiny isn't necessarily 100% in their hands to try to get back to uh, the the conference championship game, but with Kutztown still to play uh, a tough schedule, East Stroudsburg and the teams that they have to play down the stretch, all hope is not lost for Ram fans that want to see Shepard Wright comp- uh, contend for another PSAC title. No, definitely they're going to need a little bit of help now. You know, Kutztown's you know theoretically in the driver's seat after Week Four. Um, but you know, they, <laughs> that's, I, I had to pick two PSAC games of the week this week. I couldn't come up with just one. So in the East, you talked about it. You know, East Stroudsburg, who's four and zero, has the top scoring offense in the PSAC, is headed to Kutztown this week. So you know, one of those teams will be uh, you know two and zero after Saturday. One of them's going to be one and one. You know, I kind of look at it like the scenario. You know, there's a potential, you know, somebody's going to win this outright. Uh, it's, it's, we have a crazy couple of weeks left. You know, if you look at what happened in the West last year with, you know, he beat 
him and, you know, he beat him and you know, it, it ended up a three-way thing with IUP and, and, and uh, Slippery Rock and Gannon. You know, that could be a possibility, you know, identical records at the end and then looking at tiebreaker scenarios. So, um, and again, you know, you got to throw into the mix too, Millersville. I mean, they, they had a crazy second half of the season last year. Their only loss so far this season's to Slippery Rock. You know, my number one ranked team in, in the PSAC power ranking that I do. So, uh, you know, they're going to be in the mix, too. So Shepard is certainly not out of this. Um, you know, they need to take care of business this week. Uh, I think it's a great opportunity for them to get back on track, you know, with Shippensburg. Shippensburg's offense is ranked last in the entire conference, only scoring 13.5, you know, points a game. Um, so, you know, this is a great opportunity to, you know, kind of work out some of the, the kinks from last week and, uh, you know, get back on track for the Rams. So, Kerry, what I'm hearing correct is that Rams fans should be pulling big time for East Strasburg in this game coming up this weekend with the Warriors coming down to Rams Stadium on November the 4th. <laughs> well, then you're going to have East Strasburg seeing that 5-0 and uh, on the season and have them at 2-0. and um, So, but, I mean, I guess if you, you look at that, um, you know, as far as, Everybody, you know, potentially, you know, having one loss and East Stroud, you know, still having to play uh, Shepard. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of a, a jigsaw puzzle putting all those scenarios together. And again, uh, you can't count out, uh, you know, Millersville in this equation. I don't know if they have enough to, you know, knock off everybody, um, but you know, I think they're they're definitely in a, a spoiler role here at some point coming up this season. Well, Kerry, a quick look at the West then. Um, the four teams that won last week, Slippery Rock, IUP, Cal, and Gannon, is it fair to say, especially the first three, that those are the guys that that, that was kind of a chalk week and those are the teams that you're expecting still to compete for that spot and that, uh, the, the other division in the PSAC? Really right now I kind of look at you know as, as three teams. Gannon, um, you know, again, got into the win column. Uh, you know, they cracked my, my – uh, Power ranking at number ten this week, but really it's it's a big one coming up this week. Last year the advantage went to IUP; they beat you know Slippery Rock. But this is a home game for Slippery Rock this year. They're you know um, <laughs> crazy when they're they're at home and in night games. Um, you know I talk about that a little bit. You know in my my column for this week. So yeah, I have, I have the edge to Slippery Rock, who's now ranked number twelve in our poll. Uh, against number 18 IUP, um, you know Cal again. You know they, we still have to see. They they did not have a game week one. That game got canceled because you know the team they were going to play. Uh, you know the school had some issues, but uh, you know so I, I really see it. Slippery Rock IUP and Cal kind of being in the mix in the West. Well, we've been seeing Slippery Rock top a lot of the rankings out of the Super Region 1 side of things, and especially in the PSAC. What's made Slippery Rock so dynamic this season? I, they're a well-oiled machine, and you know, again, uh, they handed uh, uh, you know Millersville their only loss this season. But when you look at Slippery Rock, you know, their, their quarterback Long, you know, he's really doing a nice job. Um, he's third in the the entire conference in passing yards, um, but he's ranked first in touchdowns. He has 14 touchdown passes already, which is fifth nationally. Uh, his completion rate is the highest at 67.5. Um, yeah, and then Kyle Sheets, the wide receiver, they have. He, he went out of the first game early uh, with an injury, uh, came back, you know, weeks two, three, four, uh, and he's just a physical mismatch, uh, you know, for, 
for 99.9% of the guys, you know, in, in division two. And, uh, you know, he's already got six touchdown receptions on the season. Um, so their offense has the most yards a game with 426.8, um, you know, so, but the, the thing that's going to be really interesting this week is it's the number one offense going up against the number one defense. IUP has the number one defense rated, uh, you know, on points allowed and also, um, you know, in yards per game, they give up. So, both the you know the the offense uh, for IUP and the, the defense for Slippery Rock not too shabby either, but uh, again that's that's going to be the key of this week with Slippery Rock's high-powered offense and IUP's number one ranked defense. Well, Kerry, again, kind of reset before we let you go. You mentioned not one but two games of the weeks that you're keeping an eye on in the PSAC. Uh, where are you going to be? What are those games going to be? And uh, as always, where can people find your work? Yep, I'm uh, planning on heading up to Kutztown this weekend. That's uh, a short trip for me, and uh, seeing East Stroudsburg uh, and the Warriors come into town to take on the Golden Bears. And for fans out there of the PSAC, um, you know, if your team's playing at a time, but the great thing is, is it's a 12 noon kickoff up in Kutztown, and then you know, as I mentioned, a night game out at Slippery Rock. That's a 6 p.m. start, so you can find those games and and watch uh, both the top ones. Uh, and again, for me, you know, a PSAC columnist for you know D2Football.com. Um, so my article is up now. My column for this week, the PSAC preview, and uh, on Twitter uh, it's at D2Football, and uh, my personal Twitter or X now is at Carrie Moyer at C-A-R-Y-M-O-Y-E-R. Alrighty. Well, Carrie, as always, we appreciate the time and I look forward to reading the coverage from you over the weekend. Sounds great. Talk to you guys next week. Alrighty. That's Carrie Moyer of D2Football.com, a PSAC columnist and friend of the program. And it was awesome to have him contribute to our broadcast last week at halftime and uh, we'll be featuring him throughout the, uh, the re- remainder of the regular season, hopefully the postseason as well. Huge moment for celebration here, Parker Stone. The text line is fixed. <laughs> yes, it's a good Thursday. Massive. So we got a couple messages I want to catch up on here before we hit the break. And we still have Parker's picks. We still have Thursday Night Football. Oh, and by the way, you know, did, did I miss something in the uh, the NBA yesterday? This Damian Lillard guy. Is some, he, some guy got traded, is he any right? good? Something about Milwaukee. And uh, we'll talk about that as well in the last segment. But uh, this first text is directed to you. Okay, what we got? First time hearing the new show intro. Man, you guys trying for syndication with that. LOL. <laughs> Big fan of the new intro. I am too. And that 100% of that credit goes uh, to Parker Stone. It's a fantastic new intro. Uh, and special marks, if you can text us. We've already had one of the names identified uh, of who is in that little montage of voices at the beginning. Yeah. Well, a special prize to the person that can name every single person of the voices We'll get you. We'll get you hooked up if you yeah. can get all four of the voices. Yeah, that are if, you in the can, intro. if you can figure out who the voices are in the intro, they are real people. Um, we uh, we we'll give you some kind of prize. Another uh, texter wanted to talk about the ranking system. This was yesterday, the rating system, uh, and this is for high school football playoffs. The rating system isn't bad. Uh, it just doesn't take account. I'm sorry. It is just didn't take account. Is how that was typed out. Threw me for a loop there. A really good program that has teams in the state that won't play them. I agree. We've been saying that a lot about Martinsburg. I, I 100% agree with the texter. And a uh, special friend of the program as well, Will from WV Eastern Panhandle Weather, says, Woohoo, welcome back. And Ooh. I'm assuming referring to the text line. 
And uh, we're happy that you guys are able to utilize the text line again. It's 304-263-4321 if you want to get in touch with the program. And I promise we'll read as many texts as you guys want to send. Uh, and we appreciate you contributing to the show. But we've got another break to take. When we return, we'll talk about that NBA trade madness. Look, Take a look at Thursday Night Football, the McCook Show, and get Parker's picks here on WEPM Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs. You're listening to Panhandle Sports Live. Can't get enough of Panhandle Sports? Head to PanhandleNewsNetwork.com for articles on your favorite teams. Final segment of Panhandle Sports Live here for this Thursday on the 28th day of September. Final segment means... Yeah, well, that's called beginner's luck. Luck, 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 Yeah, I like to call this my lock of the day. Prove it, it's never fails. Never failed once. Well, if you heard before at the start of the show, we were, I guess it was a bad beat type of uh, the Wednesday for us. We were one run away from getting a perfect slate yesterday. The O's got the win for us. The run line spread was covered by the Detroit Tigers over the Royals. It was a 4 nothing win for Detroit. But in the Guardians and the Reds matchup, the line was 7.5 total runs. And it was at seven. That was was a tough loss to take yesterday. But it is Thursday night football tonight. It's Detroit. It's Green Bay. I think this is going to be a really fun matchup, depending on who's playing. There's still question marks on, is Aaron Jones going to play? Is Christian Watson going to play for Green Bay? Of course, no C.J. Gardner-Johnson for Detroit's sake. David Montgomery's probably out of this game as well with injury. So it's kind of maybe where things going to go. Two younger teams at their cores, and I'm going to take the lock for today. It's going to be Jordan Love. is going to be 225-plus passing yards in tonight's game against the Lions. I think Green Bay is going to have to pass the ball a good bit in this game, especially if there's no Aaron Jones. He's not going to be there to hand the ball off, and it'll just be A.J. Dillon's show if that's the case. Love's going to have to pass, and I love the, uh, no pun intended, the uh, young core of of us pass catchers that they're building for Jordan Love right now. I love that unit and how they're going to grow together. So I'm taking his 225 plus passing yards. And one of those guys who I really like is Jaden Reed is rookie out of Michigan state. I really like his game. He's quick. He's a good slot guy, kick returner for him as well. His line is set at 35 and a half receiving yards. I'm taking the over on this one. I just don't know who's going to be covering Jaden Reed is the problem because Romeo Dobbs has been that guy that stepped up on the outside with Christian Watson's absence. If Watson is playing, that's less attention shown to Jaden Reed, and I think he's got a good chance to hit that over on his receiving props today. And Jordan Love likes to spread the ball around, so I'm going to go with Jaden Reed's over today. And I'm taking another rook for today, and anytime touchdown score, we'll uh, we'll introduce, I guess since we're slowly running out of uh, Dinger Tuesdays, I guess we'll have to maybe slowly introduce Tutty Thursdays into the fall slate i'm gonna go with the rookie out of iowa sam laporta scoring a touchdown today for the detroit lions it's it's rare to see a rookie tight end play this good and he has been that good the iowa product's been fantastic for detroit if he always finds way to get space that offense is great for tight ends and i think they find him in the red zone tonight so again your slate jordan loves today's lock 225 plus passing yards Jaden reeds over on receiving yards for the packers and sam laporta's an anytime touchdown score tonight well i hate that all these historic I hate that all these historic moments that happen in sports happen uh, when we have really busy shows because we don't have a lot of time left to talk about what happened yesterday. But let's start with Ronald Acuna stealing a base in extra innings in a game where the Braves uh, were able to walk off the Cubs, which is great because it means that the Cubs are probably not going to make the postseason now. He's the first player in Major League Baseball history to hit 40 home runs uh, and steal 70 bases. And uh, here's one of his comments to Bally Sports South after the game about what how he put it, inventing the 40-70 club. Super contento, de verdad. 
por ya no el, por ya no este triunfo. El juego estuvo emocionante y es la que súper contento por unirme al club 4070. Very happy. Uh... Most of all, you know, that we were triumphant in tonight's game. We were able to win. It was a super emotional game, and I'm extremely happy to have created the uh, 4070 Club. And that was uh, Ronald Acuna with his translator there. That was right after he got double-doused with Gatorade, so that's why the reporter said, do you want to try that again? So a uh, momentous moment, the 4070 Club. It's something that we might be able to see a little bit more of in this modern age of baseball, but still an incredible accomplishment to be the first one to reach it. This is going to be one of the greatest MVP seasons of all time. Oh, yeah. He's, he, he's had a fantastic season, and it, we've been all waiting for Ronald Acuna to stay healthy and put this together because we knew we were capable of it. And he was finally healthy for a full season, and he's winning National League MVP. I know that Mookie Betts has put up a really tough fight to be in contention for the award for this year, but this is Ronald Acuna's, especially after tonight. The Braves get the one seed, lock that up in the National League. The O's on the precipice of locking up the National or the American League's one seed come tonight against Boston. It's fun time for baseball. Fun time for baseball when you see a 40-70. Who would have ever thought that 40 home runs and 70 stoly bases are, could be possible and again it proves that Ronald Acuna is a is a generational player we hear about Shohei Otani Mike Trout and all those of the like are just Aaron Judge Ronald Acuna Jr. needs to fully be in that conversation as one of the guys that are really changing the game of baseball and he's and we forget he was called up so young he's only still I think 24 years old so he's not maybe not even touching his prime at this point it's a special athlete and a very unique and special club he has created with 40 home runs and 70 stolen bases this season for Atlanta. Yeah, absolutely. And if we had more time, I'd play the part of the broadcast where the Cubs broadcast team complained that they stopped the game to show a little video montage when Acuna, Acuna stole that base. You know what I say? Get over yourself. It was history. <laughs> Get over yourself. Uh, but again, Ronald Acuna swiping his 70th base to join the first member to join the 4070 club. Also had a major trade in the National Basketball Association yesterday. Dame time. Damian Lillard, who had played his entire career in Portland, is going to be in Portland no longer. He's traded to the Milwaukee Bucks. The Trailblazers in return get Drew Holiday, DeAndre Ayton, to Monty Kamara, 2020 or 2029 first round uh, Bucks pick. And uh, some pick swaps as well. The Suns get use of Nurkic, Nasil Little, Keon Johnson, and the execrable Grayson Allen. Uh, my takeaways from this, the odds have already moved. The Bucks are now the favorites to win a title as they should be. My question turns to, and I don't want to sound like ESPN because they haven't played a single game together, and we did this for Kyrie, James Harden, and Kevin Durant, and it didn't work out, but... I mean, you look at Chris Middleton, who's criminally underrated. You look at Giannis, who's probably a top 25 player of all time, and he's still in the prime of his career. And you look at Damian Lillard as one of the best combo guards in NBA history. And this big three is one of the best we've ever seen. Uh, but now it's up to them to play up to their potential. Yeah, this is going to be a very big problem in the Eastern Conference for Milwaukee's Cup. I, I love the combo of Lillard with Giannis as well. I feel like that's a group that can play together. A guy that can score in Lillard, Giannis can get... Uh, the pick and roll possibilities with Lillard and Giannis are going to be fantastic, especially if Giannis keeps developing a shot come this season. If he has the ability to hit the mid-range with efficiency, this is going to be a lot of trouble for the Eastern Conference. Watch out for potentially, I don't know if it'll come to this case, but if Drew Holiday gets bought out by Portland and they're going to try and just tank and to get some players and rebuild for some few years now granted I think they could be maybe good to make a play in but I don't know what maybe Portland's idea is for the long term they just drafted Scoo Henderson in the top five of this past year's draft 
if they if they buy out Drew Holiday's contract, that is a hot name that a lot of contenders will be looking for. Look out for maybe Miami, Boston, some teams in the West to maybe chase Drew Holiday if he's bought out. But this move from Milwaukee is a power move to try and win another NBA championship. I like it for the Suns as well because it gives them a lot of bench depth. It was what they needed a big time after the Bradley Beal trade. So I think it's a win for all parts in this point. Milwaukee gets a chance to chase the title. Phoenix gets some bench depth. And Portland gets a chance to really retool the roster around maybe a core of DeAndre Ayton and Scoot Henderson. Absolutely. As the season gets closer, I'm, I'm excited to debate how good this big three could be in relations to other big threes that we've seen since the 90s and the, the 2000s. But uh, certainly that's going to be a topic for another show because we've got two more things I want to touch on here in the well, 120 seconds that are left in the show. Thursday night football tonight. Lions, Packers. The Lions on the road at Lambeau are favored by two, which is crazy. But who are you taking in this game? I'm going with the Pack, man. Especially Woo! if Christian Watson and Aaron Jones play, I'm going with Green Bay in this one. All right, fair enough. Uh, what a season it's been for David Montgomery, kind of turning back the clock. Uh, and Jared Goff, he's starting to become a likable uh, quarterback for me, admittedly, after not liking him for the years that he was with the Rams. And finally, we talked about the Ernie McCook Show, which you can hear over on 95.9 The Big Dog tonight. Uh, we don't know what players are going to be joining Coach yet. You can check our social media pages for uh, uh, what that's going to be here over the next couple of hours. But give us a preview. What are you most excited to ask Coach McCook tonight about that loss last week to Kutztown and uh, what you're excited to see coming up this Saturday against Shippensburg? I guess the response from everyone coming after that, it's a rare sight to see a team lose in Rams Stadium for Shepard. They have that and how how the response is going to be from this team. I'm sure there's a lot of question marks going around conference-wise of, well, maybe this was Shepard maybe showing a weakness. Now it's the chance for this team to really exploit Shippensburg, get a big in-conference win, and go from that point. I, I guess just figure out what's it got to take for the defense to maybe kind of corral things in and get things back together. Because if, if I had to point and say maybe something has been the weakness, surprisingly it's been the defense and pointing necessarily to maybe the secondary, allowing big plays. We saw it at Cal. We saw it at different points. How's this defense going to come back after what was been a tough few weeks beforehand? And the offense has to pick it up, especially what happened last week against Kutztown. Absolutely. If you missed any or part of today's show, we were joined by PSAC D2 football columnist Kerry Moyer. You can hear that complete interview posted on our Panhandle Sports Live Spotify coming up here in just a couple of moments' time. And we've got Panhandle Live coming up. A little bit of a Morgan County flavor for this episode as uh, Marsha Kovalik will take over the controls coming up here in just a bit. And a reminder, the Ernie McCook Show can be heard on 95.9 The Big Dog tonight at 7.30. With all that said, uh, for Parker, I'm Luke. We'll talk to you tomorrow. WEPM Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs, a WVRC media station. We're proud to live here too.